The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. We're discussing the attributes of God. Uh, so far in, in, in considering the attributes of God, we saw that God was self-existent, that he depended, depended upon no one and nothing for his very existence. God is and always has been. We saw, number two, that God is self-sufficient. Again, he depends on no one for his needs. He needs no one. Uh, the, the TV evangelists and the prosperity preachers will lead you to believe that God needs you. He depends on you, and that's not true. We need God. God doesn't need us. Number three, we saw that God is eternal. And that, do, that doesn't just mean that he will live forever. It means he's always existed. He never had a beginning. Unlike everything else in the known universe, God had no beginning. Uh, we saw number four that God is infinite. That God is, is, is beyond uh, the ability of the universe or anything else to, to contain him. He's infinite. Uh, we saw number five that God is omnipresent. He is everywhere at all times. He is with us here this morning while he is with churches meeting in India, while he is with churches meeting in Russia. God is omnipresent. He is everywhere at the same time. And we saw then number six that God is omnipotent, that he is contains all power. All power emanates from God. The sun's ability to burn depends upon God. Uh, the, the radiation and the heat that, that is projected from the sun is in the hand of God. It's his power that, that makes that happen. And it's his power that causes us to live. And at his will, he takes that away. And God is om, omnipotent. He has all power. So we're going to continue today with number seven on your study sheets. And that is that God is omniscient. God is omniscient. Now, omniscience is defined as having infinite awareness, understanding, and insight. Infinite awareness, understanding, and insight. God possesses, without prior discovery... Complete and universal knowledge of all things past, present, and future. God is omniscient, means he's all-knowing. There is nothing, there is nothing that has ever transpired or that will transpire that is not within the knowledge of God. Nothing. This includes not only the actual, but also the possible. God is, God is knowledgeable not only of everything that actually happens, but he's knowledgeable of everything that could possibly happen within that scenario. His, his wisdom, his, his knowledge is, is, is unmeasurable. Again, as I spoke when I, when I spoke about <laughs> the eternality of God... My human mind cannot comprehend that. I, I, can't, I can't reconcile 
something or someone not having a beginning. Well, when it comes to God's omniscience, I have the same problem with my mind trying, trying to wrap my mind around the, the fact that God has complete and total knowledge of all things. This total and immediate knowledge is based on his eternality. He has always and will always exist. And it also depends upon, is based upon his omnipresence. He has been, is, and will always be everywhere at the same time. So, from the description that we've given you, just thus far, Personally, when, when, I, when I put this study together, and the first time I did this study was actually back in 2003. It was 16 years ago when I studied to put this, this series of lessons together. I, was, I, I, I felt so insignificant when I considered the greatness of God. I realized, and you know, we are such vile creatures, aren't we? Man is just... I don't know how to state it. I really don't. I don't have words to express how, how, how ignorant we are. Maybe ignorance is a good word. How ignorant we are. My mother said don't say stupid, so I won't say that. But how ignorant we are to think that we can stand against God in his majesty and his splendor and his greatness. So I, I, I hope that that you get a glimpse this morning of just the magnitude of the greatness of God. Look with me at Psalm 147 in verse, we'll start at verse 1. Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God, for it is pleasant and praise is comely. I could stop right there and preach a whole series of lessons from that one verse. Verse 2, the Lord doth build up Jerusalem. He gathereth together the outcasts of Israel. He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. He telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. Now look at verse 5. What is that first word there? Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. We haven't prayed yet. Let, let's pray before we go any further. Father, we stand here before you in humility. And Lord, as I stand here and I attempt to teach these attributes that you possess, I, I feel just so inadequate, so, so insignificant. And I pray Lord, that your spirit would speak to our hearts today and, and would impart to us an understanding for the things that we will look at. Help us today. Instruct us. Teach us, we pray. And we'll give all glory and praise and honor unto you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. From the scriptures we, we read just now, there's some things that we can, that we can glean from, from there. Some things that we can know about about the omniscience of God. First thing is letter A. I want us to see that he sees all things. 
Now, I don't see everything. And you don't see everything. I see probably less than you do, but we don't see everything. When I was a high school teacher here, when I was teaching my class, I know that when I stepped out of the class, things went on. I knew that. I had no doubt about that. So I can't see everything. But God sees all things. He sees, he sees everything at the same time, yet can distinguish everything he sees down to the individual heart of the man. Hebrews 4.13 Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. God sees all things. His, he, has, he has everything in his sight. There is nothing that you or I have ever done or even perceived to do that he's not aware of. Everything. Just think about that. That's, that's an amazing thought. God never looks down from heaven at me and says, oh, when did he do that? Did, it, did any of you see him do that? I missed that. <laughs> no, not God. Not only does he see everything, he records everything. God has a big, pic, a big camera in heaven pointed right at you and right at me. And he's recording everything we do, every word we say, every thought we have, he knows about. Did you ever, when you were a kid, maybe go in your bedroom and close the door and grumble about your parents? Did you ever do that? Huh? Yeah, well, I'm going to get back at you. I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to put up with this. They don't hear that. Well, maybe they don't hear that. Sometimes they do. But God has all things. He's knowledgeable of everything. He sees all things. I told you, we used to sing, a, we used to sing bus songs with the kids. and We'd sing, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Father, Father up above, he is looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. And we'd go over the whole thing. The hands, the feet, the tongue. And it's, it's true, God sees all things. But then letter B, we also learn that God knows all things. His knowledge is beyond comprehension. In Psalm 147, verse 4, we read it just a moment ago, it says, He telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. The scientists have, have estimated the number of stars in the universe. And I don't know what that number is. It changes so often. It doesn't, doesn't make any sense to try, to try to follow it. But they guess. But God knows. He telleth the number of the stars. He called each one by their names. He knows. God knows. The Bible says that he has the hairs on your head numbered. God knows exactly how many hairs you have. Do you? For some of you, it might be easy. But he knows exactly how many hairs are on your head. 
And by the way, he knows when they're going to fall out. He knows all things. Luke 12, 7. But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Even the hairs on your head are numbered. Yeah, God knows all things. He knows, he knows what time you're going to get up tomorrow morning. He knows which, path, which route you're going to take to work. He knows what you're going to have for breakfast. He knows, he knows what you had for breakfast uh, the day you were born. He knows, he knows how many hairs were on your head then. He knows how many hairs are on your head now. And he, he knows how many hairs will be on your head when you die. God knows all things. Let me give you some things that he knows. He knows, first of all, our thoughts. Psalm 44 and verse 21. Shall not God search this out? For he knoweth the secrets of the heart. God knows what your he knows your thoughts. He knows what you're thinking right now. He knows what I'm thinking right now. We don't have our silence doesn't prevent God from knowing our thoughts. By the way, Satan doesn't know your thoughts. Satan can't read your mind. But God can. You can't read my mind. If you want to try, go ahead. It's mostly food, I'll tell you that. I mostly think about food. I'm thinking about food right now. But God knows our thoughts. He knows next our words. Small letter B on your sheet, our words. Psalm 19.3, there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. God knows our words, everything we speak. And I said earlier, he, he, he records every word we speak. And we will give an answer. The scripture tells us we will give an answer for every idle word that we speak. Whether it be, whether it glorify God or not. Let her see, he knows our deeds. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 19. The Lord states, I know thy works and charity and service and faith and thy patience and thy works. And the last to be more than the first. God knows our deeds. He knows everything we do. He knows, he knows where, what we invest our life in. Next, letter D, he knows our sorrows. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Scripture tells us that God has captured every tear shed by his children. In a vial. Every tear that you weep, every sorrow you feel, God knows and He cares about. Letter E, He knows our needs. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 32. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. God knows our needs. 
He knows what we need. And that is why Paul tells us to be content with what we have. Because God knows what you need and he gives you what you need. Now, he doesn't always give us what we want. But he does give us what we need and he withholds that which we do not need. So be content, Paul said. Be happy with with the life you have. Be happy with the husband you have, ladies. I know sometimes it's hard, but be happy with him. Be happy with the wife you have. Men, keep your eyes where they ought to be. Keep your mind where it ought to be. Be happy with the children you have. Uh, don't ever, don't ever, don't ever compare your children to other children. That's that's not a that's not a smart thing because that those other children have a total set of of different um, circumstances in their life. And and if your kids aren't what they ought to be, who are you going to blame? Don't blame society. Don't blame the public school. Blame the person you look at in the mirror. Because that's whose fault it is. And until we get that straight in America, we're never going to turn out a generation of young people that, that God would, would have us turn out. So he knows, he knows our needs. Just be content. Letter F. He knows our devotion. Genesis chapter 22 and verse 12. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that, you, that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. God knows. He knows our devotion to him. You see, we can, <clears throat> we can wake up on Sunday morning and put on a nice suit. And women can put on a nice Nice outfit of clothing. We can, we can brush our teeth and comb our hairs. And we can, we can do all those things. And we can come in and we can, we can sing the songs. And we can carry our Bible and we can look at it. And we can say amen to the preaching. And we can be so jovial and so joyous and so happy. And nobody else will be any wiser. Because we can't, we, we can't read your heart. But God can God knows your heart and he knows your devotion. He knows whether or not you really, really are devoted to him. And who else matters? Does it matter if I know your devotion? Not really. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if your neighbor sees how, how righteous you are. It doesn't, ma- it doesn't matter. I mean, really, when you boil it all down, the only one that matters is God. And you can't fool God. You can't deceive him. You can, with your mouth, say, I love you, Lord, but in your heart, he knows you don't. Mm, Got to be careful. And I don't want to get off to preaching. We're supposed to be teaching our devotion. Letter G. <clears throat> he knows our frailties. He knows our frailties. Psalm 103, verse 14. For he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. Yeah. I have people come to me all the time, Christians, and say, you know, Brother Dalton, I just don't think I can do that. And I tell them, you're absolutely right. You can't. 
God has asked me, God is calling me to do something. I just don't think I can do it. You're absolutely right. You can't do it. You cannot, but he can. And it's him working through you. You're just a tool. My daddy was a master builder. He was a carpenter. But when we pull up to a, a, a job site, daddy didn't go grab his hammer and say, okay, hammer, build a house. That hammer can't build a house. A hammer can't do anything. It's a tool. Unless it's in the hand of a master builder, it can't do a thing. And you and I are tools. And if we're not in the hand of God, then then we're nothing. God knows it. God knows what you can and can't do. But he's going to equip you. He's going to enable you to do that which he called you to do. You see what I'm doing right now? When I was a little boy and family would come to visit, I'm talking about my cousins and my aunts. When they would come to visit, I would go hide in the bathroom and I would close and lock the door until they left because I was so shy. I I couldn't I couldn't stand to be around people. For me to stand here and do what I'm doing today is nothing short of the grace of God. Because I cannot do this. And God knows that. He knows our frailties. Letter H. He knows our foolishness. Psalm 69 and verse 5. O God, thou knowest my foolishness. And my sins are not hid from thee. We We hide our imperfections. We hide our sins. From, from each other as best we can. But God knows our, he knows our sins. He knows our foolishness. It's not, it's not secret to him. You need to keep that in your mind. I need to keep that in my mind throughout the day. I need to remember that my God is present and he knows all things and he sees all things. And everything I do, he knows the intent in my heart. Now that's hard to remember though, isn't it? It's hard to remember that. We get busy, you know, you're at work and, and, and there's a deadline and people are rushing around and you're under pressure and, and, and you're stressful. And sometimes we forget. We forget about God. Sometimes I forget about God in my commute home at the end of the day when that gentleman cuts me off. When there's, there's only, only 20 feet and six inches between me and the car in front of me and he's 20 feet long. And he's getting in that space whether I like it or not. Sometimes I forget that God's there. He knows our foolishness. We're not deceiving him at all. Letter I, he knows the past, present, and future. He knows the past, present, and future. Acts 15, verse 18. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. God knows, he knows everything that happened in the past. He knows everything that's happening right now. And he knows everything that's going to happen in the future for every person alive on the earth. And for all that have already died 
and gone to the grave. He knows it all. And, and he doesn't forget it. He doesn't forget. Letter J. He knows what could have been. He knows what could have been. Now I got to, I've got to interject right here. That God's will is never thwarted. Nothing I say or do will ever change the will of God. God's will is, is his will. It cannot be defeated. But God knows the error of men. And he knows what could have been had men obeyed him. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 23. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which, could, which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. A.W. Tozier, a famous Bible commentator, wrote this. God perfectly knows himself and, being the source and author of all things, it follows that he knows all that can be known. And this he knows instantly and with a fullness of perfection that includes every possible item of knowledge concerning everything that exists or could have existed anywhere in the universe at any time in the past or that may exist in the centuries or ages yet unborn. God knows everything that could have been. God knows all. Is there any wonder why when the psalmist wrote Psalm 147, he started with praise ye the Lord? Everything, just, just the things we've already spoken about this morning should, should cause you and I to, to, to look at God in a way we've never looked at him before. To consider him in ways we never even contemplated. It should, it should alter and change our entire life. Because we, we, we know that we are under the constant eyes of God. That he never takes his eye off of us even for one millisecond. That's, that's an amazing thought to me. It's an amazing thought to me that since I was conceived in my mother's womb, not, not since I was born, because we know that God sees us in our mother's womb. But since I was conceived in my mother's womb, God's eye has never been off of me. Ever. Ever. And the, the, the wonderful thing is that while he's watching me, he's watching you. And while he's watching you and me, he's watching everyone in the universe. Everything in the universe is under the watchful eye of God. That's what it means to be omniscient. Now you and I, we're not omniscient. There's nothing in, created, in the created universe. Nothing that's omniscient other than God. So God is omniscient. But then number eight I want to address this morning. God is wise. 
The eighth attribute that we're looking at is that God is wise. Now, there are no, numerous scriptures referring to the wisdom of God. I've, I've noted them on your study sheet. Psalm 136 and verse 5. We read, To him that by wisdom made the heavens, <clears throat> for his mercy endureth forever. Proverbs 3 and 19. We read, The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth. By understanding hath he established the heavens. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 17. Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Jude verse 25. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Now, we have already learned that God's omniscience is based upon his eternity and his omnipresence. But may we now suggest that his wisdom is grounded upon his omniscience. Robert Leitner writes, Though very closely related, knowledge and wisdom are not the same, nor do they always accompany each other. No doubt we have all known those who have acquired a great deal of facts, but who lacked the ability to use them wisely. Both knowledge and wisdom are imperfect in man, but perfect and perfectly related to each other in God. Only he knows how to use his infinite knowledge to the best possible end. Through his wisdom, God applies his knowledge to the fulfillment of his own purpose, purposes in ways which will bring the most glory to him. God is wise. Turn with me to James chapter 3, if you would. <laughs> James chapter 3. Now, James tells us in Scripture, if you recall, he says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask who? The college professors? The state senators? The governor? Oh, don't ask our governor anything. I'll tell you that right now. James chapter 3 and verse 17 but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now this is a scriptural description of godly wisdom. It, it's directly opposed to worldly wisdom, to earthly wisdom. But we see from James chapter 3 and verse 17 that it is pure. It is pure in itself. It is free from everything that is earthly, carnal, sensual, or devilish. It produces purity of heart, of life, and conversation. Godly wisdom produces a pure heart and, 
and a, a life of, of, of purity. When we live a, a chaotic life, when we live a life filled with strife and filled with envy and filled with hatred, that is not a life lived in the wisdom of God. God's wisdom produces purity in the life. It is the means of keeping persons pure and chaste. And keeping them free from impure lusts. Lusts of uncleanness, pride, envy, wrath. Which prevail in carnal and unregenerate men. When we live in the wisdom of God, our life is clean. It's a clean life. I'm so distressed. You know, one of the worst things that ever happened was the internet. It's one of the worst. I'm sorry, Brian. Brian's a web designer. I'm not trying to, not trying to run you out of business here. But it truly is one of the worst things. Because man doesn't have the wisdom to use it correctly. The, the internet can be used for great things. I have, I have quadrupled my ability to study the word of God. Because I can sit there and, and I can open ap- applications uh, on the Bible and commentaries and, and history and all these things. And I can, I can gather information much quicker than I could when I used to have to sit at the table with nine or ten textbooks open on the table and trying to find all this information. I can pull it all together so quickly. It's a wonderful thing. It really is. But it, it also can be used for great evil and more than, more than not, it is used for great evil. Marriages are being destroyed by internet pornography. Yeah, so much, so much filth and alluring to the lustful heart of man. But godly wisdom creates a pure life. But then secondly, we see that it is peaceable. It's peaceable. James says it's first pure, then peaceable. It, inclu- it inclines and engages those who have it to live in peace with the saints and even with all men. It's also gentle. The Bible says it makes men gentle, moderate, and humane. So as that they, they bear and forbear. It's, it's peaceable and gentle. It, 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 it leads us to live a life peaceable with all men. Paul says, Scripture says, much as lieth within you, dwell in peace with all men. We live in such a hateful world. So, so hateful. So vengeful. God's people need to rise above that. We, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't be overcome by that. We shouldn't succumb to it. We need to rise above it. How are we going to rise above it? God, give me wisdom. Help me, Lord. Help me today to live my life to your glory. That's how we're going to do it. You're not going to do it on your own. We already established the fact that we can't do anything. 
We're just, we're just dust. But God can enable and empower us. I got to move quickly to finish off. Letter C. <clears throat> it is entreated. It's easily entreated. That simply means it's easy to, it's easy to receive. It's easy to accept. And it's easy to carry forth. The wisdom of God uh, is easily entreated. Number, letter D. <laughs> it is full of mercy and good fruits. It, it leads to that peaceable life. Causes us to have, cause, causes us to have patience and forbearance with men. <laughs> mercy and, and good fruits. It, it, it encourages us unto good works. To do those things that further the, the work of God and, 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 and produce, uh, produce fruit in our lives under God. Letter E, it is without partiality. Listen, God's wisdom would be given to even unsaved men if they desired it. Without partiality. But they believe they're wiser than God, so they're not going to come to God for wisdom. But God will give you wisdom if you ask for it. And then letter F, it is without hypocrisy. It has no hidden or ulterior motives. It is simply for the glory of God. So God is wise. Uh, I pray that this lesson would encourage us to seek God for his wisdom. All right, folks, that's all the time I have. I have to stop. We'll continue with the attributes of God next time. Uh, But until then, may the Lord bless you and, and use you to his glory. Thank you. You are dismissed. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.